Welcome to the Olive Podcast Health and Wellness Series. I'm Janine, Olive's Deputy Editor and Podcast Host, and for the next few weeks I'll be catching up with experts in the field to get some great insight, advice and inspiration. From wellness trends to special diets and how to get your 30 plants a week, we'll be covering a diverse range of subjects. Listen out for new episodes each Friday. I'm delighted to welcome Catherine Rubess to the podcast. Catherine is an experienced registered dietitian specialising in the field of gut health, working for the NHS as well as in private practice. Her mission is to empower people to unlock their optimal gut health by diversifying, not restricting their diet. And in her new book, The 30 Plan, she provides practical tips, tricks and advice and recipes to do just that. Welcome, Catherine. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for coming to see us on this sunny Friday. It's lovely. Um, First of all, your book is a real detailed deep dive into gut health. What was your motivation for writing the book in the first place? There's quite a few reasons why I actually just ended up going into gut health, specifically because I suffer with IBS myself. And I went on quite a journey of discovery with my own gut health, with issues with bad symptoms, you know, affecting work, affecting just my day-to-day living. And I was really interested to learn more about gut health. I was already a qualified dietitian at the time. So that kind of led to me wanting to figure out how I could specialize in that area. And I was fortunate enough to be given the opportunity to write a book. I've I've done articles on gut health and the importance of 30 plants a week, which I'm sure we'll get into. And yeah. So it just came about from an editor who got in contact and wanted to know if I'd be interested. I was on maternity leave at the time and crazily enough, I guess the lack of sleep (laughs) (laughs) led led to me deciding, yeah, why not? So that's how the 30 plan came about. Amazing. And and I think what, what is fascinating about it is it starts with such a detailed explanation of your gut and how it works. And I think that just opens up so much more for people who want to kind of understand rather than, you know, I think there's a lot of talk these days about um, rather than just treating the symptoms, like look at why it's happening and try yeah. and try and change behaviours, change lifestyles, change. And that's that's a lot of what your book's about. But let's start with something we've heard a lot about, which is the microbiome. Um could you explain it like in layman's terms that people can understand? Sure. And I know that's going to be hard because it is <laughs> complex. <laughs> well, the best way to explain it is it's actually a collection of many different microorganisms. So these are found in specific environments within your body, throughout your body, in fact, your skin, your mouth, uh, your gut, of course. And it includes bacteria, fungi, yeast, as well and viruses and the microbiome is individualized to each human and it in fact is more unique than DNA cells. Okay. So the best way to explain it is a a collection of many different microorganisms that work to have a functional capability in your body. And am I right in saying the microbiome is, it's very specific to you, isn't it? It's like everyone's is completely different. It's more... It's more unique than a fingerprint, in fact. And there's been twin studies. Netflix has a recent documentary on um, the twin experiments, and it also highlights how different 
each individual is because the microbiome, even with identical twins, is completely different. And there are many different factors that can actually influence the microbiome too. And within the book, I talk about that a lot. So not just genetics, but also your mode of birth. So if you're vaginally born or if you're C-section, if you're breastfed, um, other factors such as pollution, um, you know, there's so many different. And, and of course, food as well can all play a part with your with your gut microbiome. Yeah. Why do you think it's something that's suddenly like front of mind? Why, why is it such a hot topic at the minute? That's a really good question. I guess with the science, you know, nutrition is still quite a relatively new science when you think about science overall. Yeah. And it's constantly evolving. There's millions and millions of people wanting to learn more about their health and alongside that people are really interested to find out how they can improve their health and as the science is improving and expanding particularly in nutrition we are starting to learn a lot more about our bodies and yeah. how our bodies interact with with yeah. the cells as well cool. well let's talk about the um the 30 a week where where does the 30 it seems quite random where does 30 come from yeah it is a bit <laughs> Um, so the American Gut Project did this huge study in 2018 and it looked at 10,000 different samples of poo, in fact, but amongst many other things. And they wanted to understand the microbiodiversity across human populations. So they looked in Australia, the UK, the US, loads of different areas. And what they found from that is that people who had a diet with more plant diversity, which actually include 30 different plant foods a week, uh, had better gut health overall when compared to those who had fewer than 10. And that was specifically in gut microbe diversity as well. But there was other things that they found. They found that, that people that were consuming more fiber as well as more fermented food, they actually had better gut health too. So what we're talking about is quality and diversity rather than quantity aren't we it's not about yeah. the number as in previously you know five a day mm -hmm. we were saying five fruit or veg a day but you could eat the same five fruit or veg a day that wouldn't add up to 30 would it correct it's all about diversity and having different types whether it be different colors as well as different species so when I say species we're thinking you know if you had a mixed salad leaf bag yeah there's so many different types of leaves in there. Yeah. They would all count as one. If you were to have a purple sprouted broccoli versus just, a, you know, frozen broccoli, that would be, again, two different types oh, okay. of plants. So th that's the sim I guess the simple way of explaining it is that it's about understanding the diversity of that plant and those properties that provide that individualized Yeah. Um, effect, I guess. Effect. So yeah. like each one is giving your gut something different to Correct. kind of yeah. feast on. Or, and, that, you know. and that's why it, I love the idea of it being about inclusion and having different types because we then know that you're getting different types of yeah. dietary fiber, different types of antioxidants, polyphenols, which again are plant chemicals yeah. that have really beneficial effects to the gut health. So by incorporating all these different types, we know that we're actually consuming yeah. a bit more variety. Let, I do want to talk about polyphenols, but um, 
Can we talk a little bit first about plant points? Because that's something that you mm. talk about and I have heard it out in the wild as well. It's a recognised term now, isn't it? It's like yeah. how many points each of your plants has. Can you take us through how that breaks down? Yeah, sure. So it was re- I've explained it really, really well in the book. Actually, there's a full chapter yeah. on what plant points are. <laughs> but the, in simple terms, really, plant points are a way of measuring the diversity of plant-based foods. And each different variety of plant will count as one plant point. And we kind of call call it, in our world, we call it the super six. Okay. So, you know, that includes um, whole grains, beans and pulses, vegetables, fruit, herbs and spices. So these all count as plant points. Um, And the best way to really try and up them is by thinking about different colours because each colour will give you a different plant point as well. So if you think a red pepper and a green pepper, that would be two plant points. Or if you were to consider having a, a, you know, an orange uh, versus a different type of like a a carrot. Carrot, exactly. Red carrot, orange carrot. Exactly. Again, they would be two different plant points. And, you know, even different types of veg can also. So if you're thinking about a, a tender stem broccoli versus a, you know, a standard floret yeah. broccoli, that again would be two different plant points And then as how well. do the, the herbs and spices, so they're not, that's not like a whole plant point. If, no. if I put like a teaspoon of turmeric into my stew, that's... Yeah, so that would be a quarter plant point. Okay. Yeah, so herbs and spices, again, because they're derived from a whole food, so whether it be from a root or from the actual plant itself, the leaf, that's also then classed as a plant point. So, But they equal only a quarter a plant point at a time. So you, this is why I always encourage people to add lots of herbs and spices into yeah. their food because it's a really good way of boosting Just them. Just boosting it up. Yeah. yeah, and some hidden heroes as well are things like dark chocolate, if it's more than 75% right. cocoa. <laughs> uh, good quality coffee counts. Mm. Green tea also counts. So, And this is due to those beneficial plant chemicals that are found in these foods. So just to touch on this as well, if people are worried about, but I, I, I can't get that many veg and stuff, you mentioned it. So spices, um, fruit, veg, and then you, you mentioned earlier beans, pulses, legumes, all of that. So they're all so you can have like your your tins of beans, your dried and even frozen veg too. They're Absolutely. all good, aren't they? Yeah, all counts. All of that counts. So you know, if you're maybe you live on your own and you're worried about waste, you're trying to eat a bit more sustainably, going for frozen options is a yeah. really good shout as well yeah. because you can have better portion control. You don't have to worry so much about waste. Yeah, that's great. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some from my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Let's go back to the polyphenols. Um, 
this it also eating the rainbow is that polyphenols the colorful things because that's we, we hear that phrase a lot don't we about getting diverse colors into our diet yeah. as well what is it in the colorful veg and fruit that is, is so good for us yeah i found this really interesting when i was writing the book because i did i've done sort of a rainbow colored chart of the properties and it's all down to these incredible powers that yeah. plant chemicals have so different colors give off different properties um, and they, I guess the best way to describe them is like the bodyguard of the gut polyphenols yeah. because they have antioxidants, anti-inflammatory and antimicrobial activities. So they, they, you know, they can really improve your health, but they can actually also support your gut health because they could defend against, you know, harmful invaders like pathogens, yeah. but they could also reduce inflammation in the gut and any oxidative damage that can link to, you know, chronic disease. So they have a really powerful role in the gut, um, but it's very dependent on the colour and the type. So some some really uh, rich polyphenols include things like uh, berries have a great, you know, you can imagine blueberries. They're such a vibrant blue purple colour. That vibrant colour is due to the polyphenols. It's like an indicator of, yeah. Exactly. Um, Whole grains like brown rice, oats, quinoa, nuts and seeds. Uh, They all have really, really good sources of polyphenols in them as well. But, you know, variety, bright colours, any sort of bright coloured foods, tomatoes, they all have very good sources of polyphenols. That's great. Yeah. Um, And I know you mentioned fibre before as well. And I feel like fibre is really, it, it was... It was kind of years ago we were talking about fibre and then it went off and then it's come back. Um, why is it so important? Like, what, what does it actually do and how much do we need to have? Yeah, that's a really good question. So fibre is so, so important for gut health, specifically around our digestive health as okay. well. So it supports with digesting waste products and, you know, letting them pass out the other side. It's really, really important that you are consuming fibre. Sadly, in the UK, we're only having on average about 18 to 20 grams, okay. and we should be having about 30 grams of fibre a day. The reason why it's so important is because it has been shown to reduce risk of type 2 diabetes, improve, you know, the risk of cardiovascular disease. It actually gives the gut microbiome fuel and energy it needs to do all its amazing bodily functions that interact with the human cells. So it sort of feeds off the fiber. It feeds, yeah. And men, you know, fiber is also... A, a type of prebiotics. So prebiotics are types of dietary fiber that the beneficial gut microbes feed off of. Okay. So by consuming a really good amount, you know, aiming for that 30 grams a day and having high fiber foods, we can ensure that we're actually improving the beneficial gut microbes and having that balance within the gut, but also supporting the digestive system too. Okay. What what kind of things should we be eating to go? Oh, and what are the high fiber things that we can eat? Yeah. So beans are very high in fiber, you know, fruits and veg specifically, uh, things like, God, there's so many things, whole grains yeah. are very high in fiber. Um even thinking about things that you could add onto food to get to give it a little bit of a boost. So desiccated coconut is really high in oh, okay. fiber, as an example. But nuts and seeds are a very good option if you're thinking about breakfast and you want to try and consume a bit more fiber. You know, you could go for some oats, but adding in some nuts and seeds is a good way of getting more. When you say the thirty grams, like how do we how do we how do we gauge that? Because it yeah. yeah, I think sometimes we're often. 
for, for, I, I feel for myself, sometimes we're often quite focused on, on just that number. But yeah. actually, if we're focusing more on the diversity right. and incorporating more Lots in... Lots of high fiber Yeah, incorporating it. more in, we will actually quite easily meet that. Okay. And within the book, I actually have a planner of how you can try and achieve okay, that fiber, high fiber foods in, in your day. Yeah. Um, and But swapping things out, you know, rather than going for white bread or white pasta try brown pasta or brown rice yeah. and you know whole wheat bread little simple just swaps. little things like yeah. that that's great cool um i was going to ask you like there's a not there's a lot of noise this time of year especially mm. on platforms like tiktok <laughs> <laughs> around foods and diet it's january yeah. you know um and you've got a chapter devoted to myth busting some of the more ridiculous claims can we go through some of sure i mean how long you got <laughs> I love I love a bit of myth busting. <laughs> this chapter actually took me the longest to write because the amount of research I done. I read over two hundred papers to wow. do my gut health myth busting chapter because, as you can imagine, there's just so much information out there, and a lot of it is noise. And I wanted to be able to dispel some of those gut health, yeah. you know, those gut health myths. So one of the key ones I hear in clinic all the time is colon cleanses. Yeah. Should I be doing colonic irrigations? Absolutely not. You know, there's no scientific studies in humans to support this. Um, and it's extremely harmful and can lead to a lot of complications yeah. as well. Dehydration, electrolyte imbalances. And I mean, why would you put yourself through that? Yeah, if wasn't do it's a good. no from me. <laughs> Um, you know, there's de-bloat supplements which are taking the rage. I don't, it was weird. Over Christmas, it was like constantly on my feed about yeah. de-bloat supplements and flat tummy and, you know, very problematic because this association, this like marketing term of de-bloat supplements actually creates a misconception that being bloated is bad right. um, or unhealthy and taking a supplement will fix it when okay. actually... You know, if you are suffering with chronic bloating, you should go and see a doctor. You should actually go and see a medical trained professional who can support you with trying to identify the, the underlying it, yeah. cause rather than masking it with a supplement. And on the back of that, you know, many of these de-bloat supplements do contain probiotics and prebiotics, which we do know have a beneficial effect with digestion. Yeah but related to specific strains. So these specific strains target specific conditions. And you can't just throw in different types of probiotics into a supplement and expect it to just okay. fix everything, really. It's really about trying to get to the root cause when it comes to de-bloat supplements. I'm, I'm just, no, with the de-bloat supplements. No, that's great. I yeah. mean, it's, a good, it's brilliant advice, basically. Yeah. And then I guess the last one, which is... Does, has been doing the rounds for a few years, I think, is apple cider vinegar. Yeah, I've heard a lot about that. There's very small studies to support it with type 2 diabetes and insulin regulation. However, these are really, really marginal and it's not something we can promote or recommend. Okay. When it comes to digestion and gut health, absolutely no scientific studies in humans to support this at all. Mm. Um, and, you know, if you want to take apple cider vinegar because you like the taste and it does have certain types of microbial properties that can be beneficial to us, yes, go for it. But yeah. there's no science to actually support that in improving digestion or necessarily improving gut health. Yeah. Um, sort of practically when you're trying to, people trying to move towards this kind of 30, what what sort of things do you think they should do? Is it like, uh, what I, one thing I did actually was um, 
I got a list of all of the foods that kind of counted and herbs and spices and just stuck it on my fridge. Yeah, So great. when I was just making a meal, I would be thinking, well, what else can I add to it? You Absolutely. Know? Have you got any other advice? for? That's a really good suggestion. <laughs> um, I would say as well, you know, thinking, when you're thinking about what you're eating through that day, try to incorporate you know, you could either consider getting fruit and veg boxes, which will allow you to have a bit more variety, yeah. going to local farmers markets where you're buying fruit and veg that's seasonal. You're more likely to buy different types as well. Yeah. Uh, thinking about different recipes as well, you know, exploring outside of the box, not sticking to cooking the same things, yeah. looking at exploring different types of foods that way. Another quite easy, quick thing is maybe even snack your snack options. Okay, yeah. You know, if you're somebody who does enjoy a snack like me, I'm guilty of a packet of crisps sometimes, <laughs> I will admit it. But, you know, thinking about trying to switch that up yeah. to maybe some a handful of nuts, some mixed seeds, you know, dried fruit. This is a really good way of getting extra plant points in. And if you're thinking about mixed seeds or mixed nuts, each seed, each nut is in a, is one plant point. Thing, yeah. So that's, yeah, I would say that that's also a really yeah. good option as well. Because that's one of the things I really loved about your book because, you know, you do touch on um, processed foods and ultra-processed foods, but you you also say it, it's not, it isn't a diet. It's basically just have your, have your treats, but just get all of this extra good stuff in there as yeah, well. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's all relative. Everything's about moderation yeah. and I really strongly believe in the 80-20 rule. You know, yeah. the, the great thing about the 30 plan and eating 30 plants a week is you don't have to be vegan. You don't have to be vegetarian. No. You can eat meat. You cannot eat meat. It's totally up to you. What the focus is about is just getting in more plants. Just adding to. And adding to what you're already doing. When I guess when it comes to ultra processed foods, the unfortunate thing about them is they have lots of additives. You know, they, there's additional fats, there's additional sugars, salts, which can be detrimental to yeah. our health, as we know. So large quantities of this are not good yeah. for us. But in small amounts, in small quantities, you know, baked beans are technically ultra processed. Mm. Hummus is technically ultra processed. So, you know, it's just about trying to not focus so much on the 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 good and the bad. Yeah. You know, branding food that way, just seeing it as how you can add in more goodness. Not demonizing food. Not we don't demonizing, want to start demonizing food. food because otherwise that leads people down a, yeah. a wrong path as well. Doesn't yeah. It? I will also just add with refined grains, mm. they have removed the whole grain so they cannot be classed as a plant point. Okay. So if you're thinking about white pasta or white rice, the whole wheat has been removed from that so it will not class as okay. a plant point. And that's the same with orange juice, for example. It uh, will class as one of your five a day, of course, if it's 100% pressed yeah. you know, juice. But because it has gone through that processing, same with smoothies, because it has gone through that processing, okay. it's no longer that whole food. So it no longer can be classed as it can't be classed yeah. as a as a plant point. And I guess if you're going to have orange juice and you love it, it would probably be better to maybe squeeze it yourself if you can. Squeeze it so yourself. it hasn't gone through a factory Or process. just eat the orange. Or just eat the orange. Yeah, if you could be bothered. <laughs> it is quite hard work, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you do touch on lifestyle in the book as well and how mm. that affects the gut something I'm really fascinated about um and you said you know before 
the way you're born affects your microbiome. I've I've heard that I've got a dog. Having a dog affects your microbiome. Yes, yeah, I love dogs. Uh, yep, it but can. There, but there are other things that that sort of affect our, our gut, aren't there? Lifestyle yeah. wise, like sleep. Can we talk a little bit about those and sure. exercise? And- yeah. And this is what I see quite a lot in clinic. People come to me and automatically they assume, you know, they may have restricted plenty different food groups, assuming that that's the trigger to their gut disorder that they might be experiencing. But it can also be due to environmental factors. Things like stress can play a really big part with your gut due to the gut-brain axis, which is this communication signals that are happening between the gut and the brain. What is that? Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, I wish I never said it now. (laughs) Just you can be as simple as possible. Um, So the gut-brain axis is a communication between the gut and the brain via the vagus nerve. And it's all these neurotransmitters that are communicating constantly, like a two-way pathway, which actually explains why, you know, if you go for an interview, you have nervous butterflies or sometimes you might feel a little bit sick. That is due to that gut-brain axis. And when you are under stress or high levels amount of stress or, you know, very anxious, there there can actually be a, a discommunication between the gut and the brain. Wow. Yeah. So stress can play a big part. Yeah. Sleep also plays a huge part because the gut microbes all work on a circadian rhythm. So they, what, what is that? It's like a 24 hour. They work on 24 hours too. So when we, they know the difference between day and night and then they're doing loads in the night or some microbes are not doing much. And, you know, sleep is really important because if that's disrupted and you're not getting much sleep, the gut microbes are also disrupted and not sure and not knowing what's happening and what they should be doing at that time. So sleep's extremely important. Movement and getting outdoors is also important. You know, people that are out in nature more, there has been studies to prove that their microbial diversity is greater as well from just being outdoors more. So getting outdoors, moving. You know, when I think about moving, it doesn't have to be like brutal boot camp, burpees every day. Just go, you know, going out for a walk, taking your dog for a walk. Little things like that, even if it's dancing around the house, housework, all of these contribute to doing movement. And it also helps your digestion too. That's that's amazing and and so practical as well and doable and kind of free. You yeah, know, just go for a walk. Yeah. Um, let's finish t- just talking a bit about the recipes because I I love them. I love the fact that Thank um, you. you've included loads of recipes, inspiration from different cultures. And you say like in your practice, you want other cultures to be able to feel like they can, cr- you know, cure their guts through do you know through eating healthy foods, but you but the food of their heritage as well. Absolutely, yeah, from their own culture. It's so important to me, especially being from a Caribbean heritage. There's foods within the Caribbean culture, you know, from my history of foods as well, Arabic cultures that are very, you know, African cultures that have really good properties Mm. and and can be included within the, the, you know, the 30 plants a week. There's so many different types of fermented foods within African and Arabic cultures as well. And within the Caribbean, you know, we use so many different types of ground um, root veg as well and beans and pulses. So that the recipes in that book I have really honed in on that and from my travels as well. I've been really fortunate to travel and spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia. And again, so many of the foods there have 
have great plant diversity yeah. too. And I noticed that you've got your mum's carrot cake recipe. Oh, in yeah. there. I was like, okay, that's a game changer. <laughs> yeah. Carrot cake's got, what was it, six plum points? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and it's made with whole, whole wheat flour as well. It. And it's so good. I could do with some of that now, yeah. in fact. <laughs> it's how, a did, good how did you go about gathering all of the recipes for the book? Um, it was a hard one because I had to, so, so I did quite a few cookery schools when I was traveling and I had to look, I was searching you, back through notes. old notes, yeah, yeah. you know, things that, you know, looking, looking, getting inspiration from other people mm-hmm. as well, from my own being back in, from Trinidad and Tobago, you know, my family, they love cooking. Cooking is everything. It's such an important part of our family. So I was just turning to aunties, uncles, <laughs> anyone. I need a recipe for this. What do you think about this? So Yeah, there's yeah. a nice Trinidad and Tobago doll in there, isn't there? Which yeah. Which looks fun. And doll is like, wow, I eat so much doll. I'm like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, all things that are quite um, easy to do. No, it's love. It is, it's an absolutely fascinating book. And as I said, it's a deep dive for anyone who's interested in gut health, like, please, I urge you to go and buy it. It's great. And um, it will actually be out. This podcast is going to be out the day after it comes out so people can go and grab it. Um, Amazing. And just to remind, it's called The 30 Plan. Why eating 30 plants a week will revolutionize your gut health by Catherine Rebess. But actually, there's so much more in that than just 30 plants a week. So one to read people. Um, And where can people keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, you can catch me on Instagram most socials as CAF Dietitian, which is C-A-F-F Dietitian. Yep. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I've been on there today and you do do lots of videos, lots of like little clips about how to help. So that's yeah. great. Well, thanks so much for coming to chat to us today, Catherine. It's been brilliant. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Olive Podcast. For recipes and more information, head to olivemagazine.com. Do remember to listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where our guests reveal their best cooking cheats, hacks and shortcuts. And don't forget to subscribe at iTunes, Acast, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.